Yo, what up, what up? From Hypebeast Radio, I'm Manning, and this is Mike Line, a show that looks to discover the origin story of your favorite artist or major player in the music industry. We ask the questions that you always wanted to get answered, and you never know who may pop by. For this episode of Mike Line, we talked to Big Crit about the 2011 XXL freshman class, his new music, facing adversity, and so much more. Welcome to Mike Line. Okay, this is a new episode of Mike Line. Um, we're back in the office for this one, which is uh, which is pretty cool, hey. and um, definitely want to happy. Well, I'm happy, and also want to introduce a guest that um, someone I've been a fan for for years since he man. was a freshman. Next Excel, so I let him Woo. introduce his name. And hey, man, it's your country cousin, Big Crit, third core representative, Mississippi native. You already know what it is. So I think I first got introduced to your music. It was because of freshman, and I was like, hmm. "Yo, I've never heard anyone sound this amazing in the southern since like I want to say UGK." Hey, thank since you. like it yo. was pimp, and I was yeah. like, "Yo, this is this is crazy." Appreciate it. Um, so I guess how long ago? How long ago was that? Was that 2011? 2011. Man. Yeah, that, that freshman cover came out. Um, that was right before Return Forever came out, and then uh, Crit was here was before that, mm-hmm. 2010. Yeah. yeah. And people argue that's the best con. That's the best one. I mean, well, at least they compete. Like, I'm comparing me to myself. Yeah. And I'm not mad at that. I mean, most of the time people create memories with music. And I realized that, too. Like, the first time they heard the music, they was going through this. They were dealing with that. Um, and this is kind of pre-social networking where you're mm-hmm. always filming or the moment isn't the moment because you're trying to record it. And so when people be like, yeah, man, that was boom, boom, boom. Normally it's because they was in college or they was finishing a test and mm-hmm. it was like, so it's like, it makes sense. It yeah. makes sense. Yeah. That was a class and that was a special one because that was a class with Mac Miller, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. The cover definitely was Mac. It was Mac, Meek Mills, uh, Lil-, Lil B, Kendrick Lamar, um, Yellow Wolf, Saha the Prince. That's crazy. Uh, Diggy Simmons, Lil Twist, uh, Fred the Godson. Yeah. I, I hope I'm not missing anybody. I think that's it. Was that your first time meeting like majority of them? Did you meet? No, anyone? I met everybody pretty much. That was my first time meeting Lil B, mm. Lil Twist, and Lil, and Diggy. Okay. But I, I know pretty much everybody before that. First, exp- first time meeting Lil B. What's your thoughts? Uh, marketing genius kind of vibe. <laughs> like you realize, like people had a, a misconception, but yeah. he understood like. He understood branding and marketing, I think, before a lot of people did. It was like this very independent move. Yeah. Um, I mean, but obviously there's the attached to the, the shock value aspect, but yeah. he technically had been popping before then with yeah. the pack and all that. Yeah. You know? But if you knew, you knew, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah. So you got a new album out. Yes. Um, it's been going really well. And I yes. guess I wanna first thing I wanna ask is like, um, why do you think it was now for the sequel for Crippers here? Well, I mean, Crit was here, 10 year anniversary happens next year. Mm. Um, and then it was me kind of closing the gap, bringing it more full circle. But then also, like, there's a lot of people that were aware of my music, knew what I was doing, but now I'm finally in this confidence space that I've never been in before, this freedom I got, this independence that I got, and putting it into the music and also being able to talk about it. Like, I know I belong in this arena of hip hop. Mm. I know lyrically where I stand. I know what I've brought to the game of music and then what my catalog stands for. And then what this brand is and like, and I have these people that support me, not only as far as my team that I move with on a business level, but just people musically that are there and they, they want to see me in a certain light. And it's finally time for like me to be right there with it. Like, nah, we here. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what this album is pretty much all about on top of me just being happy, bro. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's different now. Yeah. You know yeah. What caused for the happiness? I guess what was, what made that? Ah, uh, man, just realizing that. I don't, I'm competing with myself and there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that. Not really chasing what my peers get accolades 
um, creating the kind of music that reflects me in the moment, not necessarily worrying so much whether people get it now. Maybe they'll get it later on a few years, but it's art and me yeah. staying true to my art and, uh, and to my experiences as I go through life. Um, and then, you know, coming off of a major label and then starting to realize as a businessman that we've always been right as far as the people I've been working with, as far as not only my imagery or what I do video wise or what we bring to the table, but just the concepts that we've had over the years and that we built this strong foundation and we, we can tour. We put out the music we want to put out and then people show love because naturally we go everywhere and we keep these positive relationships with everyone from back when streaming wasn't a thing. Yeah. Like back when you had radio reps and people want to help, man. And so it's like, I don't know, it's just different freedom, man. It's just happiness. And I want to put it in the music. Yeah. You know what's crazy? Um, the more I, th I think, the more I think about it, and I honestly think I have to do with like um, as I just get older and more experience in just life and in this industry. At first, I thought of music as a sport. People mm. usually be like, "Music is a sport." You know, you want to compete with your peers and put out the best body of work you can. But the more I think about it now, I really think music should be considered less sport and more art. Yes. Whereas you wanted to put out your truest, um, your best work. Yeah. Of that's original for you mm -hmm. and to not look at it as a sport because with sport comes like you have these designated accolades like mvp comeback yeah, player yeah. of the year stats all-star like, yeah, six best six man there's like, no whoa. really stats in music no. and even with streaming now it's still very skewed because yeah a lot of this shit is just like all right now you can sell albums with <laughs> with merch so if your merch is popping you automatically such and such get like a half a million and like mm. people may not even know who you are. Yeah. So when I think about it now, I really do think music should be considered and the narrative should be pushed towards art because that's where artists can then or musicians can then focus on putting out their best work. Yeah. And also not worrying about too much about like what the left or right is doing. Mm -hmm. So I guess in me sharing your thoughts, what do you think about? I mean, there's always going to be analytics to mm -hmm. anything you do. There's going to be stats. There's going to be, oh, you did this, you did that. Um, but there's no real way to to um, put into numbers when people hear a song and it affects them emotionally. Mm -hmm. And then when they go back and decide to listen to it, maybe a month, two months, if, whether it still affects them the same way. Um, and I think if, if the music is timeless, then whether I sell a million now or maybe I sell a million 15 years from now, it's still going to equate to the worth that it deserves. Right. Totally. Um, it just takes time. I think we are like we get so caught up in that first week sale mm -hmm. and then everything else kind of doesn't matter when technically it's supposed to be timeless music. You may you probably didn't have time to digest my music. Maybe you heard it and it wasn't you weren't in the right space to digest what I was saying. It might take you 10 years and you finally get it, mm -hmm. you know, but we just got to stop maybe diving too far into the analytics sometimes. It's like, man, if I made a great piece of work, you know, it might take me to leave this earth for you to finally understand. But that's what art is. It's like you're not going to immediately get it. Mm -hmm. You're going to keep going back and be like, man, that that, that brushstroke was amazing. Yeah. Oh, man, now I understand. Or I'm finally turned 30 and you're more patient to sit there for an hour and just look at it. I'm yeah, like, exactly. You know, and that, that that's with music. That's what. That's damn with anything you do. Yeah. Finding that patience to really to digest and pay attention and and observe what somebody had to go through to create that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because um one thing I think I see a lot of artists suffering through, especially hip hop, is that um the whole notion, which I think some of uh, you can tell me if I'm wrong or not. I think some of it was a also was placed on you, or just like people aren't 
giving me my just dues. Mm. And then you have this now, it's not like we're even chip, it's just like anger. Mm. Just like it's a bitterness, yeah. It's just, it's just like, you know, and I feel like sometimes that could affect things the wrong way, that energy, or could affect things the, the right yeah. way. But I feel like, especially with artists, the negative energy could skew your creative process. And I yeah. feel like uh, when listening to this, it was like really much like I'm just making stuff that I want to make mm -hmm. and I'm just putting it out there. For yeah. Um, I, I think back, like I, there's no way I could have contacted Biggie when mm -hmm. he was making any of his music, Tupac, Outkast, UGK. There's no way I could have like sent them a, a message and then they respond to me based off of whatever they were dealing with the music. They just made the music. They probably went away for a year, two years, maybe three years, and then came back, and I had to wait, right? Mm -hmm. And I was just excited, like, they're back. I think now you you do have the option to, like, immediately contact the artist at the moment, and then we're also trained, and, like, we can have so many positive comments, but then we see one negative, and we're going to pay that the most attention. Mm -hmm. That When you're creating, there's such a, it's such a delicate process, and it could be anything, whether you're doing music, whether you're sketching, uh, you could be an athlete. You, it don't matter, like you designing clothes, a model, like whatever. The minute somebody is like, mm, "You're not doing that right," mm. it throws you off of whatever your natural pattern of dealing with your creative process might be. And it's it's a, such a delicate thing. So when you complete an album, it might took a, you a year and a half to make it, and somebody breaks it down within maybe forty minutes, and then writes whatever the review is of it. Mm. That that can be hindering to you when you know that a three minute long 30 second song took eight months to make mm -hmm. like that's is it's a challenging process and yeah. like over time you have to just become accustomed to it everybody's gonna have an opinion about your art this is the first time i think culturally that you've been able to see the opinion as soon as you put it up you get exactly what people think of it in the moment mm -hmm. and it, it just it, it comes with a certain amount of discipline now where you just gotta you know what i can't internalize that but back in the day, people just thought what they thought, and you continue on. And maybe it's a, a write-up by somebody that is super prestigious. You pay attention, but other than that, it's not like you're gonna have like three thousand comments about it. Yeah, yeah. it's a totally different day and age now. Yeah. Um, looking at some of the interviews you've done, it's it looks I saw that one of the things you did differently with this project is that you kind of um, gave the keys to other people mm -hmm. to like either whether it's producing or yeah. just you know guidance. I guess what allowed you or what made you want to be like you know what let me move a step back to, to go a step forward. Um, I mean obviously, um, and I told the people this I was able to be a part of a Rico Love Music Conference. Mm -hmm. um, and Mace was on stage and he pretty much challenged me in front of 500 people to, you know, he felt like I was doing a disservice to the people that supported me by not, like, by not making bigger music sonically. You know, still being myself, but this palette of music, not making it bigger, right? Mm -hmm. And um, and so I was like, Ben, I'm up for the challenge. And so I was able to get in the studio with Danger, had a record with Khalil, and we dropped TDT, right? And so I'm, I'm seeing this resurgence. People excited to hear me rap on other folks' beats. I'm like, damn. And then even with my team, shout out to Dutch, uh, mm -hmm. my manager, and Steve-O, my marketing manager. Um, and trying to create a project where it's like, I'm not necessarily telling this elaborate story, but when you talk, one thing about critics here, like trying to create the best music sonically I could at the moment that reflected where I was at. Mm -hmm. And and it'd be free and independent. And so I was able to get in with DJ Camper, Wallace Lane, Music Major, Tay Beast, um, with the Michaels, Don Corleone, Lord forbid if I'm forgetting anybody. Mm. Um, but it's like working with other people just bring out something with me creatively writing that was different. 
Then I learned on a production level because I only produced one record on this entire album, mm. which is totally new for me. Mm-hmm. Um, what it, Rico Love was a major part of this yeah, project. Yeah, Rico Love uh, co-executive produced the album along with my manager Dutch. Yeah. Um, what were the things he was telling you during this process of making the project? Man, stay country, definitely. Um, super lyrical, stay that, but figuring out different cadences and pockets or when I, when I go to write about it, how do I make it to where it's more around conversation? You know what I'm saying? Obviously, I'm talking about my personal experience, but there's certain words, there's certain ways you can write where you don't make it where it's just this time period now, where it kind of lives further than that. Um, and then cadence carrying it was a thing too, where I could write the whole song and everybody like, that's, that's just jamming, but you, you way too comfortable. This is what you normally do. Mm-hmm. How would you approach this differently? And then now, now I'm sitting back down. And I'm taking more time out to write, and that changes the, the 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 narrative of how I'm using my vocal tone, what I'm saying on the record, and the patterns and the cadences, yeah. which was necessary because you sometimes need people like, man, you sound like you you you, you kind of taking it easy on yourself. Like, nah, bro, keep writing. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked about previously, and I was like, wow, that's low key brilliant. I was like, you talk about country and southern, mm-hmm. and um. There's always like something like I just kind of named before, but when you said it, I was like, yo, that's a real thing. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of Southern artists, but it's not a lot of country artists. Mm-hmm. And so you you emphasize you want to keep it country. And there's certain artists who like that's why there's people gravitate towards them. Mm-hmm. Like one of the things that come to mind, Baby Mother, I think she's like an amazing artist, mm-hmm. but also has a, a, a distinct country vibe to yeah, her that okay. makes it so appealing. Yeah. What is the explanation for you? What is the difference? Um, about Southern country? Uh, I mean, again, it goes back to geography, I think, just mm. a tad bit. Um, and I think about vacation destinations, like places that you knew where it's like, I, I get the opportunity, I get some money, I want to go here. You mm. know what I'm saying? Um, and I tell everybody, there's a, there's a country part of everywhere. You know what I'm saying? Like there's an outskirt where people are like, Mm-mm. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Then you have metropolitan cities. Um, and so from where I'm from, it's one of those situations where people don't necessarily want to go. And like, I got to travel to different places to promote my music. And then the minute that I, I walk up and they're like, where you're from, they can already tell. And I tell them where they're from, that might change how they digest my music. Mm. Um, and being from the South is obviously third coast, no doubt about it. But there's country aspects of the third coast yeah. as well. Um, and so, uh, again, looking at a, uh, a Pimp C and a Bum B and UGK and the idea of making country rap tunes. Like, not Southern rap tunes, country rap tunes. This is a different perspective of being country and where people don't necessarily want to go all the time and mm-hmm. then trying to bring them to that place, which might be just an hour outside of a city that they naturally would go to yeah. because they heard about it so much. <laughs> like, yeah. What is, like, I'm trying to picture, what is that hour, that place that's an hour away look like? What is that country place? It looks just that experience? Like, it just is homegrown. It still got buildings. It's still a city. It still got roads. So you got people driving their cars and working their jobs, but it's just not the metropolitan city. Mm. Um, it's a grassroots. It may not have a lot of traffic. The jobs that you do have might not be the most paying jobs, but you're proud of the job you have. Mm. Um, definitely the, the whole, it takes a village to raise a child perspective. Mm. Normally everybody in that town knows everyone mm. from the people that police the neighborhood to the teacher that'll whoop you because you, they, they, you, your grandmama know them. Like it's one of those situations. Um, and having that mentality, I think it helped me maneuver throughout life with treat people how I want to be treated, mm-hmm. right? And it's always this, you know what? 
I'm going to give you this positive energy today. Maybe you need it. Waving, smiling at people, even though I don't know them. Because where I'm from, it's like it's just a courteous thing to do. Mm-hmm. I only assume that it definitely helps you with the hustle because, oh, yeah. because there is yeah. no quote like media person out there. Mm-hmm. You have to like do it. You got to travel. You got to travel. Yeah, you got to travel. You got to put the CDs in the trunk. You got to go from city to city. You got to promote yourself and promote where you're from. And then you're going to run into those barriers where people already have a misconception of where you're from. And you have to, you know, be willing to change that narrative. And then I was bitter earlier in my career with when people didn't understand. Mm. Never been. But now it's like, I'm just trying to get you to come. Like, how how can I get you to go there? To see that it's not what you saw in the movies. It's not the the joke punchline. Like, no, it's actual a society. It's actual creatives. It's, it's beautiful. Like, it's, it's, it's something to experience like you experience everywhere. Yeah. Do you remember in your young and like in your younger days where you were literally driving with the CDs in the trunk? What were some of the things that you experienced or the places you went to? Something oh, that popped in mind. I was just going to Jackson. Like I literally be going to Jackson. I had Beach, um, and um, I was riding with uh, my, my homie Money Black at the time, mm-hmm. which was the first person to actually record my vocals. He gave me the equipment that I needed to record a lot of my first mixtapes mm-hmm. and i was going to see charlie braxton mm-hmm. uh, which is this amazing writer he's the right for murder dog and i think there was like a showcase at the time in mississippi uh, in jackson i can't remember what it was and i remember playing him one of my beats um and i had sampled wildflower by new birth mm-hmm. and it was a confirmation and listening to him be like yo yeah there's something you know what i'm saying um going to birmingham with just a book bag with like the essentials in it and staying in the studio and working in the studio for like three days, barely any sleep, not really going anywhere, eating whatever roughly um, and making, uh, creating a whole album with someone. Like that was just the part of what I needed to do. I remember seeing David Banner in a red van, making beats in the back, rapping, pull up at a gas station. Mm-hmm. And but he was headed somewhere other than where he was from to promote music. And that was just what I thought I needed to do to mm-hmm. get to to get my word, get my voice out there. Um, for this album, it, I definitely saw and also was curious about the idea of using social media as a tool. Not that curious, but people use social media as a tool for music yeah. in general. But then for you, for addiction, it was really cool to start a challenge. Yeah. And I guess I want to ask you when... Just a couple of things, just because I'm curious about like how an artist um, thinks about using social media. Yeah. Um, when you realized, all right, this is probably going to be the single. Did you had a plan like we're going to make this? Was there a plan like was this going to be a challenge? Are we going to use social media? Did you see the results after? Yeah. People be like, oh, we can make this into something. Well, I think that I think that the challenge thing for us started with the glorious challenge in the beginning, TDT, mm-hmm. um, and that's once again a, a team effort thing, like. Normally, especially with this album, I was able to make the music and then we sit down and then everybody's like has great ideas and collectively we're like, oh, that's that's the one. Um, but I think it goes back to like now social media can be used as like the best A&R ever. Mm-hmm. So some of these artists might have a little work to do or they have a concept or whatever. But then there's some people it's like, oh, you're seasoned already. And maybe doing this challenge, maybe shining the light on them might give them an opportunity when you don't necessarily have people, you know, again, passing CD out ain't the same. Mm-hmm. You rarely got a CD player in your car, you know what I'm saying? But, exactly. You know, social networking is made it where somebody might click on something, they see all these likes and they see the comments and they might give them an opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, even with a producer or shout out to all the muralists that did the murals. I say you that, know, yeah. Because even them, like, you know, people cover art, like, 
just art in general, people might dive in and look at more of their art other than what they did for me. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like just shining light on everyone collectively um, and then trying to give people the opportunity without not having to be signed. Mm. Did you see the, I guess, results of the challenge working? Working where it's that's like, oh, oh yeah. wow, you saw the spikes. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Definitely, man. And then it's, I mean, the addiction challenge is still going on now. Mm-hmm. Um, but the glorious challenge was like, we, we had a winner and then seeing what people connecting with that. And then I'm excited for whatever project that um, a lot of those people drop after this. But um, it's just, again, like giving somebody an opportunity to like shine, right? On this mm-hmm. platform. People may not have known about them, but hopefully they know now and they actually go to iTunes or whatever social media platform that they actually have their music at mm-hmm. and listen because everybody's going to go platinum eventually. Yeah. So, <laughs> seriously. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's it like now that being an independent when you came from a major? What what adjustments do you have to make? Um, well, it's weird, man. I, I was always maneuvering as an independent mm-hmm. artist, even when I was on the label. Um I just think a lot of the things that are happening now is more like more of a resurgence. So it's kind of like trying to tap back into that that energy and like that. I mean, I already got the hunger, but it's almost like I'm starting over again with certain mm-hmm. aspects and being aware of that. And um, the challenges with transforming from ICDs that can be in a Best Buy, that could be in a Walmart, they're no longer mm-hmm. there. And having to kind of bring people with you to the streaming aspect. But the most thing for me is like getting out of my comfort zone musically, man. Listening to people around me that are great at what they do as well. Mm-hmm. And willing to let them kind of give me their opinion or the, the constructive criticism and, and taking it in and like literally like, I bet that, that makes more sense. Because back in the day, I'm like, I'm in the studio. I made a beat. I got the hook. I'm writing the verses. This is the album. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, well, how y'all feel about this? Mm-hmm. Y'all think I should go harder? Like, who you think I should? You think somebody else should be on this hook? Like just making it more of like a collective thing and asking people and not being so bitter when they're like, "Yo, brother, you singing on this hook, but you ain't singing that good." Like, you know? mm-hmm. like yeah. yeah, that's a, that's oh, that's honestly uh, that's pretty dope to hear just because and also really enlightening because sometimes I wonder how is criticism received because mm-hmm. um, it's definitely a difference between criticism and I think just straight up hating. Yeah, I think sometimes and also is you could take something from. All of it, though. Okay. It's all fuel. Mm. Um, you just got to, some of it's going to take you farther down the road than, than others. Yeah. Right? You can be fueled by the negativity, but it's going to, it's going to take you a different kind of path, different road, but it's fuel. And so for someone like you, uh, how can you tell the difference? Like, when can you tell? How can you tell? Or do you look at, all right, if I'm only talking, my, if my peers come to me and say, or certain people come to me and say, hey, this is, can be this, I'm going to listen to that, but of review on Pitchfork, for instance. Mm. When do you be like, that's just fucking bullshit. They don't know what they're talking about. Uh, so the thing is about reviews, man. I got to also, I mean, and I, I literally had this whole situation happen not too long ago, a few mm. days ago. And upon the conversation, you have to understand that everybody's going to have an opinion. Then I got to think about, do they know where I'm from? Mm. Do they know what it took for me to get to this point? Did they just start their job? Are they trying to keep their job? Are they a new writer or older writer or... Do they love my older stuff and they can't get with what I'm at now? Like, is it a regional thing? Could they, do they have 15s in their car? Like, do they understand the base aspect? And there's so many narratives that could make somebody totally not rock with your stuff. Yeah. And it's kind of like, you know what, man? It's all good. And I knew how much it took for me to make this. The person that's probably writing it could not have done what I did. Mm-hmm. And so I cannot let that opinion dictate how I move forward after that. Mm. I just got to take it with a grain of salt. There might be a, a small thing in there that might be like, oh, okay. All right, I bet. That's what, 
But other than that, man, it's art. Mm-hmm. And so we talking about art, man. Like some people, like man, that ain't art. Then some people, like man, that is art. Yeah. And it's it's left to the eye of the beholder, man. At the end mm-hmm. of the day. Yeah. And I know I'm gonna still be around. Yeah. Like, exactly. I, yeah, so it's, it's okay. This the one review of many that everybody going like yeah. you have to keep doing. Because this is about to be year ten. Uh, yeah. We want to be almost that. And so I think that's something um, that doesn't happen. I guess. Often, no, no. Someone on your, especially on your level, where you're still making music at a high level, people are still looking for your music. Um, a masses are still looking for your music. You can still tour wherever you want, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, that's I feel like it's now more than ever. Um, pretty, pretty cool to see, and also not happening as much as you think. But it's just like running backs in the, in the NFL. It's like. Yeah, your knees get bad early. <laughs> your, knees, your knees get bad early. You got those couple or, of good years. Or you got the contract that's weird, so you barely sound as the situation. Exactly. And you just out. Like, all right, what happened? Exactly. I'm just done because they won't let me go. It's levels, yeah. Exactly, because it, I was because somebody, I don't know how, but I was watching Sean Alexander highlights um, when he was on the Seahawks. Yeah. And at one point, I was like, dude, this dude was the best running back in the world. And then he was gone. And so I feel like, and I'm just comparing running backs to rappers, there'd be times where like you have these super high peaks and we're like, this is it. Yeah. And then like literally a year and a half happens and it's just gone. But you someone that had been here consistently, yeah. um, like everywhere in the news, mm-hmm. everywhere for like a decade now. Yeah. Um, what do you credit that to? Okay, well, first off, I will say that football players take physical contact. Yes. So yes. uh, they, they their job is totally different than mine. I would say rappers <laughs> take a ton of emotional We take trauma. emotional contact. Emotional. Which is not quite like, look, I, I can, even <laughs> if I got bad knees, I can write rhymes. <laughs> like you hard pressed to run that football. You know what I'm saying? You got bad knees playing. So I'm going to let, I'm going to want to say to all the, all the running backs out there, hey, it's a, it's an analogy. Yeah. Very no much words, so. Very like, much so. I'm not even going to say like, yeah. I'm thinking of Emmitt Smith, like, ah, Emmitt, I couldn't have done what he did. You know what <laughs> nah, I'm saying? Emmett's- All sweetness, like, nah, you know what I'm saying? But um, for me, it's, I, I think it's to understand, like, you have to grow, right? You grow. I mean, there's people I've been seeing in the crowd, people that have been supporting me since 2010. Mm. And as their lives have changed, whether they just got to college, whether they graduated, they just met the love of their life. They got married. They had kids or whatever. Like, we're all experiencing life on top of the music. Mm-hmm. So when we see each other again, it's like this reconnection, this family reunion, this family barbecue thing. And upon that, it's like, I cannot be crit in 2010. Mm-hmm. And if I was, then I'm not growing as a human being at all. Very if much. I'm conceptually still there, then actually at that point, it's like, I'm, 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 I'm selling you wolf tickets at this point. Like, it's a terrible idea. Me as the crit I am now, like I have to bring you here. And if you are a young artist or a young listener, never heard my music before, you'll go back and you'll see the growth. If you are somebody that's not in the space that I am now, if you're still dealing with something emotionally, and I'm telling you, but I'm happy in my music, I'm praying, I'm hoping that you find that happiness and then so, you can celebrate along with me with the crit here and then these other records that I've dropped because I found it in this moment of music mm-hmm. when there was pockets like drinking sessions, but there was things going on like the loss of my grandmother, like the vent. You know what I'm saying? Like I've been there and we're there, but now it's like I was happy. I'm free. And so I'm, I'm just creating music and creating my art based off how I am. And if you're not in that position or not there now, I'm praying you get there. 
and then we can celebrate. And then my next album is going to be how I feel in the moment, too. Yeah. And it's always been like that. Yeah. Oh, this is just popping my head. Um, I feel like albums are made because of experiences. Good albums yeah. are made because of good new experiences. Mm-hmm. When do you know when those experiences start and end? Like, when do you have in your head? It was just like, whoa, this has been a couple of two years mm-hmm. that been insane. I think I'm, I'm ready to make this. I need to talk mm-hmm. about this. Or as an as an artist, or is it just like you just create and then mm. you look back later? Conversations. Mm. A lot of the best songs, um, ideas that I've had have been full blown conversations with people, and then you connect and you're like, "Oh, you feeling that way? Yeah, I'm feeling that way." And then like, "Yeah, I'm, damn, I'm going through that too." Then you realize the whole room is in that same energy. So if this entire room is there, then there's other people outside this room that's there too. Mm. And so conceptually, it's like, well. This is a great concept. This is a great idea. Let me write about this. Um, and then you see it at the shows. The songs that impact people the most, when you go to the show, you see that. And it's not the crunky song. It's not the song that's normally on the radio. It's that song when people are driving from their job to home, mm-hmm. or they're driving from home to their job, or they're going through something, or they're cleaning up their house. This is the random record, but it hits across the board with everyone. Mm-hmm. And I've experienced that in shows was like, I didn't know everybody wanted a layup. And now we all singing layup, layup you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Or, Definitely. you know, it's all the vent. I didn't, yeah. I mean, everyone's lost somebody. Yeah. And now you see this and I, I put those songs on there cause I needed it. Yeah. And I was like, man, I, I don't care whatever, but I need this to go on that cause I needed people to understand. Drinking session was for me. I went through something. And then you say like, damn, I didn't know how many other people were feeling like this. Mm-hmm. And you open up this, this entire conversation on, on record which gives people the opportunity to talk about that in their everyday life with other people. Mm. And then now we all at a show experience and, and getting it off our chest at the same time. Yeah. I tell people all the time, go see a crit show. Thank your you. performances, your shows easily top three in hip hop. Just because hip hop artists, you. especially rappers. Wow. Thank you, bro. I appreciate rappers, that. <laughs> they, I appreciate it. <laughs> they don't practice their shows or it just, uh, yeah. it just doesn't translate. Yeah. And, but you go to the crit show, you leave like I seen a show um, because the energy is crazy. Everybody's on their feet. It's just a different experience. Mm. And I'm just curious of like, what do you do before shows? You have like a, you practice? How long do you like Man, well, we game re- plan it? We rehearse. Mm. We rehearse before the tour even start. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, if I'm a little rusty and we ain't performing in a while, I, I do like a small rehearsal. Um, but more, man, I'm, I'm, I'm quiet, bro. Normally I'm nervous before a show mm. because not only do I want it to be perfect, I mean, that's, that's like just my brain. Like I, I'm going through every song. I don't want to mess up. But then it's always this this moment where I don't know how it's gonna go. Mm. Like I cannot. I, like you know what? I don't know if if I if I cut to the right and nobody's enjoying it. Like what am I gonna do? Like I don't know. And so it's not. So once I get out there, like all that goes away. And now it's just this free flowing thing happening. And you have to. For me, it's like I give in to the energy now. Like the positivity. Even the person that wants a, a particular record done, and I'm like, I'm not doing that today. But even figuring out a way to engage, like, not today, mm. but rock with this. And it becomes this thing where I'm not trying to entertain you. Mm-hmm. That's not what's happening on stage. This is me, like, man, I believe in this so much. And y'all obviously believe in me enough to be here. So let's celebrate. Yeah. And it goes across the board. Yeah. <laughs> like, from the saddest song I got to the most high energy song. And that's why I build up for an hour and change. And we going in because yeah. it's been years of support and like wanting to tell people this. And like now it's like, now nah, we family. Yeah. 
Yeah. It feels like that at the show, too. Like, I remember seeing, watching you. Was that Irving Plaza? This was uh, Irving Plaza. Forever's a mind long time, yeah. too. Yeah. I went to the house. just like, this is fucking madness. Yeah, was, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but look, man. It look, was it's, amazing. I, it's, 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 it's crazy. Like, I've, I'm blessed, man. I'm yeah. blessed for it to be more ties. We family. Yeah. It's more ties to the sun die. Exactly. Yeah, and it, KRIT is bigger than me now. QRIT is bigger than me now. But I am the biggest of crits. But still, it's like everybody should strive to be a king or a queen in their life and so we all come in there to celebrate that i totally forgot to access but i wanted to ask you um mount rushmore of country rap who would you oh my god there? i know i know wow i wrote Hold that down there. i wrote it down i was like oh, don't forget this man <laughs> mount rushmore country i mean country rap, obviously ugk yeah would be up there um eight bottom that you would be mm -hmm. up there i mean savannah y'all gotta get that to them I'm naming groups right now. I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, country rap. Man, look. Project Pat was a monster, man. Yes. Like, lyrically, like, y'all, people sleep on him, yes. man. Like, cheese and dope. And like, oh, uh, who Love else? Love Project Pat. Who else? Who else? Who else? Who else? <sighs> That's difficult. Yeah, I know. I threw it. On, I threw it out. That's, that's that's difficult. I ain't even put myself in this list. You know, I'm yeah. just talking about everybody else <laughs> right now. Uh, Dave, I got to throw David Ban on there. Yeah, because uh, you're talking about producing and rapping. Yeah, play a fly, flizz I coming. Nice. Yeah. Uh, oh, give me a second. No problem. Take your time. Damn, cuz. I know. I should have. I should have given. That was. That was dead. You should have. I want to give you the heads up five minutes before, that was like, before you get you the water. That was. I mean, <laughs> I'm gonna ask you this a little that bit later. That was one for email. Uh, who else? Damn, it's a lot. It's yeah, a. It's a lot. It's a lot. We put a pen. We put a pen. Now you did good. That was really yeah, good. Yeah, for now. Like, yeah. yeah. You ask me that next year. I got. I got <laughs> more people. Anybody I forgot that I'm a fan of. So sorry. You have to talk about royalty. And you talk about kings and queens a lot. Yeah. And um, this is something that you've been doing since throughout. Yeah. Um, your musical career. Yeah. How important is that outlook? How important um, for you is to put that message out? Man, um, the thing about wanting to be great or like the, the idea of success it literally is the perspective of what you feel like you, you like what you've done. Mm -hmm. You can get really easily caught up in seeing what everybody else is doing and like lose sight of what your greatness is. And the reason that multi-alumni is the idea of playing multiple positions to ensure the success in your life mm -hmm. and being the first person that you know to do it becoming a hybrid in a game where maybe you didn't have the resources you needed necessarily to get to where you needed to go mm -hmm. to be a king or a queen of what you're doing means that you especially king remember the time a queen remember the time means that you know that you'll never be as great as everybody else will see you in the moment like you can never become complacent you always have to strive to do more and more and more and people will celebrate that idea once you're not here anymore. And so that was the motivation behind me being like, man, I'm never gonna be as good as I think I am. I'm never gonna be as great as I think I am. Like I can always go harder. I could be doper. The albums could be crazier. The lyrics could be better. The beats could be crazy. The shows could be bigger. Like, and always pushing myself in that direction, whether people saw it or not, whether people understood it or not. If I wake up like that every day, I'm always gonna hit this level of not only success in my mind frame, but this level of greatness that means something to me. Mm -hmm. And then I just let everyone else recognize it later on, yeah. you know, so. Yeah, no, I think that's super important just because you don't get that a lot. Well, you get that in some aspects of music, but sometimes I feel like not most recently not rap as much. Um, but you're it's good to hear that, you know, just a reminder. Man, yeah, just, just 
Look, there's people that's been doing this way longer than me, and I'm pretty sure as an artist, they get in like, bro, I gotta go harder. I gotta go. I gotta. I gotta be just as hungry as I was when I first started. Exactly. And I think that's great for music. Like, challenge yourself always. Yeah. Um, producer, producing wise, how hard is it now for you as producer for samples or? Oh, super difficult. I'm just like, how? I know there's a bunch of. I heard a couple of songs, a bunch of songs from artists, whatever, mm-hmm. that are crazy. But because of a sample, it's like, oh, we can't put that oh, out. Oh, for the sample purpose. It's but, not that difficult for me. Uh, okay. Only reason I say that because if somebody samples me, I would love, I would hope that they would hit me up and or hit up uh, whoever owns my catalog or you know, yeah. look out later on in life. I totally understand. Like when I approach a sample and like we, I'm remixing it, something for the album, it takes a long time for me to actually use the sample because yeah. I want to make sure I do it justice because this was a complete idea before I actually used it. Yeah. Right? And that artist or that producer, or that writer felt like this was it. This was enough. And um, I've been blessed that even on this album, like the people that do good samples and I get to, you know, get to use father and mother's music mm. or uh, whoever on the catalog to show love. I appreciate it. Yeah. But it comes with the territory. But now I'm trying to make music that other people want to sample. Yeah. I think that's my time. I like to create mm. where it's like 15, 20 years down the line, somebody would sample me. Yeah. Um, but it just comes with the nature of hip hop, man. It's hip hop is sampling yeah. in the beginning, right? But you know, you you learn and you go through the people that might not like what you did, which is a totally in their right to do. Um, you you remake or you rethink or you just do it all over again. But that's the nature of using another complete idea mm-hmm. to make a song. Yeah. I oh, I was looking through your Instagram or just looking through no. social media, <laughs> um, and I saw that you did the release. Event at uh, Blue Flame. Oh no, we did we, we did it at a planetarium first. Yeah, and then we went to Blue Flame and turned it to a ballet. Ballet. That's the most. That's the most genius thing I ever. Oh, saw. thank you. Look, crazy thing is, shout out to uh, my manager Dutch and Hannah because I mean the song was a thing. Like I bet, and then to actually walk up and I'm seeing my name crit on the side of Blue Flame. Then it's like ballet dancers outside, and it's this orchestra outside, <laughs> and I'm like mind blown. And they playing Blue Flame Ballet like with the with the strings and <laughs> yes. shit. I was tripping. Then you go inside, and it's women in onesies. They got me this cake and shit. Hey, this is crazy. It, I was like, man, I love Blue Flame. Yeah, all <laughs> your see, see, damn, you should have been there. <laughs> I, was like, I, I love Blue Flame. I was like, so mad. I was like, damn, bro, it was, it was, it, bro, it was love, and it was just again bringing that prestige to things that people may feel like they either they don't know about, they never experienced, or they think ah, whatever. But it's like in in the whole this high end country shit. Yeah, but bringing the prestige is something that I've enjoyed and experienced, you know, for years now. I. uh I try to go down there. I try to go to Atlanta because they also got great I wings. I try to go there as much as possible when I'm in Atlanta. They got maybe great. four or five times a year. <laughs> they got really great wings. Yeah. I think Blue Flame. That's a spot in Houston. Damn, what's Dream. it? Not Dream. It's an X. I was just there. Oh, you are oh, you are oh, you a frequent? <laughs> you frequent strip club goer. No. The South is just a different. And I tell mm-hmm. people like never go to a strip club in the, in the north. Oh my there. god! I ain't gonna look. Look, I ain't gonna say. That. I can't say that. You said that. <laughs> yeah, I, I turn. I try to turn the ballet to any. Like we could bring the ballet to any strip club now. But 
Well, you keep the going, South man. is just different. It's just so much better. And I, I'm so <laughs> mad. I can't remember. It was a Houston strip club. Yeah. It's where um, they did like the, I don't know if I should say this, but. No, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to say it. But it did a release release event after it or after for a release event okay. in Houston. I cannot. I'm so mad. I forgot. I forgot the name of it. Yo, is it V-Live? I think it's, is it V-Live? V-Live sounds familiar. Maybe V-Live. Yeah. I've never, I've never got food in V-Live. It may be V-Live. Wings of Fire. Yeah, um, but yeah, shout out to Blue Flame and V Live. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, how often do you play baseball? Do you still go well, back? What kind of segue? I know. I throw wing sports. Wing sports. Oh, makes yeah, sense. Okay, man. Uh, nah, I mean, I, I haven't been to the band cage in a minute. There's not really many pickup baseballs like games yeah. in Atlanta that I know of. Uh, not even saw ball, but I, I plan on getting back into it. I think it'd be really dope if I like try it out for the Braves randomly. That would be, be on fire. my Rudy shit. Play probably play one game, hit a home run, and then retire after that. That would be fire. We putting that in the air. That yeah. would be fire. Yeah, but I, I, I love baseball. Pretty sure I can still hit like a ninety-two mile power ba- uh, baseball. Either. I didn't know baseball is such a wild sport because it's a different beast when you really staring down. A fastball, like, <laughs> like, oh yeah. The fastball isn't as bad as somebody that can throw like an eighty-five mile power slider yeah. curveball, because that shit comes at you and then goes totally opposite direction. Yeah, yeah. but you know, fastballs are terrifying. Yeah, not like that curveball is. The slider is crazy. Yeah, um, but I really like my love of baseball. I've grown over the years. At first. Um, being from North with the Mets and Yankees, I always uh-huh. was around it, went to the game like as early as seven, but then watching it and appreciating it as I'm like, yo, this is a really beautiful sport. Yeah. Whereas um it's both it's both you're an athlete, but you also gotta think a lot, like, all right, how are we gonna yeah, make this? You gotta make changes. It's really tactical. Um but I would definitely would like to see more uh youth sports funnel into baseball, especially yeah. especially in like uh Urban settings, uh, urban urban areas. I guess. How did you get into baseball? Well, I, I came in at the time where like um, you still had the Sammy Sosa's, mm-hmm. Mark McGuire's, Fred McGriff's, David Justice's, uh, Ozzy Smith's. Yeah. Like you had Kenny Griffin, King Griffey. You know what I'm saying? King Griffey. Yeah. I, yeah. Kenny Lofton was. I got. Like, yeah. There was so many baseball players that were like the face of the the, the sport, yeah. but it was like the way they dressed and they was like it was just a swag that came with it. That was also like the power hitting era for mm-hmm. real, for real. So, you know, you got the what seventy home runs by Mark McGuire and all yeah. that. So playing baseball was like still had this allure to it. And um, yeah. um well, I mean, it still does now, but I think it's more of a pitching thing. Damn, I hate to say if I had to have anything to do with steroids, but still, <laughs> um, it's, it's more of a pitching sport now. But I, I don't know, man. It just it it had its appeal back then. I think kids are getting into it now more. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it would take to like bring it back because basketball is like, oh yeah, you know, it's like, but you get to. It might even be the amount of people that's on the field at one time. I mean, mm-hmm. basketball, you got five people on the court, and that's different than having nine people. I think the bench in baseball is a little bit larger. Definitely, they play 162 games mm-hmm. a season. Basketball is what 82. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. It's just a, a lot different as far as how much you watch, when you watch. It's way more teams to watch for, like. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's a lot more to digest. But where I was from, like baseball was for me. I couldn't dribble. I'm only six one. Mm-hmm. I would have been a point guard. Like mm-hmm. nah, not that tall. Yeah. Wasn't that big, so I wouldn't be no running back. Yeah. Baseball fit for me. Perfect fit. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and and I loved it. But 
It's a difficult sport now. Yeah, it's super difficult. Yeah, like yeah. I didn't know how difficult it was. So like yeah, high school, you I was like, oh yeah, I can't play this. That's it's, it's it's a very like routine. Like you have to get accustomed to like doing the same thing over and over again, mm. and being willing to let this baseball hit you in your chest. <laughs> mm, <that's>, <laughs> you gotta be willing to like, hey, you know what, man? I'm gonna stop this baseball. Fuck it. Yeah, you know, so it's one of those situations. Nice. And I was a catcher, so. Oh, it was wow. all like, yeah, if the pitcher throw it in the ground, in the ground, I got to get this baseball. Yeah. And then lastly, we usually ask an artist, like, if someone came to you and was like, hey, how can I succeed in yeah. music? How can I become not just a star, but an artist who's here for the long haul? Okay. Um, what would you tell that artist, um, that young artist? Uh, first off, definitely invest in yourself. All the people around you at that very moment that are aware of who you are in it in the beginning it's good to if they believed in you and they're positive to keep them around once you do find some kind of financial stability uh do not blow the very first advance you get if you do decide to sign to a label on jewelry and random miscellaneous things mm -hmm. conspicuous consumption and that's not what you want to do that money is definitely made for you to survive in the in the beginning of you making your first album mm -hmm. know your worth pay your taxes get you an accountant because you're not really going to know what to do with the money that you actually gain mm -hmm. the last thing you want to do is get yourself in a financial situation early on yes you can take care of your parents you can take care of all your partners and your homies but you have to curate a job for them your parents and understanding houses leasing cars all this stuff very important um, in nature. And it's hard to say when you get a million dollars and you're like 17 or 18. Mm. But you have to keep people around you that's not going to be eager to spend the first check you get because it doesn't last forever. Mm -hmm. Understanding your royalties, streaming, masters, building your brand up underneath whoever you sign with because that brand is going to carry you on out once you decide to be independent because you probably will want to be once you start to see how the numbers is different. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's a lot. That Pay your taxes. <laughs> That's you just put out some of the best and, advice I think we, and we had. If you're an artist, find a producer to work with that rocks with you. If you're a producer, find an artist. Most tandems work. If you producer pop off first, the artist didn't come with them, or vice versa. Nice, nice. Thank you so much for taking your time out. Know that, bro. Well, that's today's episode of Mike Line, and thanks for tuning in. You can listen to more episodes of Mike Line and everything Hypebeast Radio at hypebeast.com slash radio. Subscribe to Mike Line on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, or wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at ECM underscore LP and follow Hypebeast Music for more original content. Let us know who you like to have on the show, and thank you for listening to Mike Line. <laughs>